It's Wednesday, June 1st, 2016, and you're listening to episode 402 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 50 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. My name's Chad. And this is Wayne. Brodor, I think I'm going to change your name to Hold the Door. To Hold the Door? Hold the Door. Why is that? I can't tell you. But there are, there are people listening that got that joke. I won't tell you because of our non-spoiler policy. But anyway, all right. So, oh, wait, I don't get it. Hold on. I'm like totally out of the loop. And I'm the butt of the joke. I'll tell you after we're not recording. <laughs> Fair enough. So there, now you have another mystery to obsess oh, over. God. <laughs> oh, seriously, at work all day today, I was like, what are we going to talk about today on the show? And I honestly didn't give it a second thought. Yeah. I, I well, you're a better didn't. man than I am, Wayne. <laughs> All right, so... Now, Dan, did you obsess about today's mystery topic? No, I really did not. Yeah. Chad, coming into today's show, you said we didn't need to come up with a topic because you had one and you wouldn't tell us what it was. So now here we are behind the mics. What is... And these two assholes said that I built it up too much by making a single post. That is is not true. (laughs) Wayne said that you built it up too much. I just said that I obsessed about it. That's all I said. Now, I was just busting your balls because I didn't really care. Right. Okay. Now you guys are just dragging this out. (laughs) (laughs) Chad, what is it we're talking about today? Okay, so... As you guys sitting around the mics know, but maybe not a lot of our listeners know, I go to garage sales. Okay. Now, I'm not some old yinta that is looking for little porcelain cats or something. I collect vinyl records. Right. And uh, 99% of the time when you go to a garage sale, you find absolute garbage records. I'm talking like Christmas albums and Lawrence Welk crap. But... That 1% is why you go. It's, it's why you do it. And I'm also, it gets me out of the house. Sure. So I was going around and occasionally I'll find interesting stuff at a, a garage sale that I don't buy or maybe I'll get a knickknack or something. But I found something at a garage sale this last Saturday and we're going to talk about it because this thing that I found, it's going to be a product review. It's going to be gaming advice critique. Okay. It is going to be review of someone's character. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Interesting. I found for $2 a mint all pieces copy of Dungeons and Dragons. All right. The, so for this anyone... is the purple box, the magenta box. Yeah. I think it's officially wow. called. This is the number one basic set with introductory module. From TSR. There was only one set oh, before that. Oh, crap. But oh, Dan, I need one of those dice. And it at. even has the dice. For anyone who really doesn't know the Look, the ancient dice aren't even history. cracked up either. Yeah, the, the ancient history of the hobby was you didn't buy the polyhedral dice separately. They came in the game box, and they did not print the numbers mm-hmm. into the dice. They were just molded into the dice. And so it would either come with or you would buy separately a crayon. And this one comes with a crayon. And you would color in the numbers mm-hmm. and then wipe away the excess wax. I remember doing that. So mm-hmm. if anyone doesn't remember that, I'll be sure to get some pictures of this. And the dice were not made with high-impact plastic. So after half a campaign, your dice are all getting chunks knocked out of them. Yes. But that does not have that. So this, how much did you pay for this? $2. I would have bought that, definitely. Yeah. I think I on eBay if, it's going to be worth more than $2. Copyright it's going to be worth $5 on eBay. This game is from 1974. And well, the copyright goes all the way up to 1981. 1980. Okay. Yeah, so it was... 
This version so, was 81. And here we have an application for TSR's RPGA. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the RPGA was that old. Yes. I thought it was... There's advertisements for Gen Con in there. There's a product catalog. There's an advertisement for Polyhedron. The yeah. original Polyhedron the, the newsletter. The original one, yeah. I think yeah. somebody else used that name now, but yeah, it's the original Polyhedron The original newsletter. fantasy role-playing game for three or more adults, okay. ages 10 and up. So, get this. When they made Chainmail back mm-hmm. in the mid-70s, it was just a miniatures war game. There was never any intention for any role-player, I hit him hard with my sword. Right. It was just dice roll, it was just small-scale miniatures warfare combat. Then they wrapped up rules around it. For role playing, right? Because they were like, "Hey, I want to. What about that one guy? I want to be that one guy." Yeah, right. So here's the thing: with those rules, you had to buy those rules. You had to buy a copy of Chainmail, and this is like pre-internet, right? This was before you could just order this stuff online. My gosh, keep on the Borderlands. Well, yeah, not only keep on the Borderlands on there, but seriously, Broder, look at the condition that book is in. Complete myth. And this is one of my favorite D and D pictures. Yeah, but look, this is like this is ridiculous. I mean, I'll do my best to post some pictures of this, but I don't know how well the pictures will convey this. These books, I mean, they are untouched. They are. I mean, seriously, you could have Mm -hmm. convinced me that if you'd walked in here and handed me this book without yeah. the box because the box is a little the, bit wet. looks like something was yeah. set on top but if of you walked in just handed me this book and said dan they're doing a limited <laughs> edition reprint <laughs> i just bought this straight off yeah. of whatever some print on yeah. demand thing i would have absolutely believed you mm-hmm. this book looks completely new this so, copy of keep on the borderlands there is with the exception of a couple of crinkles in the spine here most of the damage was done by the printer so here's what I've <laughs> really, by. It's, it's yeah. All right, brother, you owned or managed a chain of comic mm-hmm. shops. If you were to put this in comic terms, is this meant high near meant? What would you call it? It's it's a it's a challenging comparison to make. Okay, because comic book people are very very finicky. Mm-hmm. So like these little creases that come across the spine like that, those little crinkles, that little bend, that little. I mean, you're going to put this in. You know, not a particularly high school. I mean, a grader is not going to give this thing. Brand new yeah. comic on the shelf is not mint. Right. right. Exactly. Out of the, when you get them from the distributor, you right. open the box. They're not mint before I even touch them. Right. But uh, I would still say that you know, for a role playing game book, however, I would put this in near mint condition. Mm-hmm. There's also an ad, Chad. You're talking about there's yeah, an ad amazing. for Gen Con. Mm-hmm. For anyone that doesn't know the history of Gen Con, where it got its name from was it was originally located in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that's Gen what, Con, yeah, Geneva. Yeah, Con Lake Convention. Geneva Convention yep. was Gen Con. That's where it's got its name from. Now, of course, today it's in Indianapolis mm-hmm. and has been for some time. And while there's been on and off talk about moving, it appears it will at least be in Indianapolis for several years to come. But that's where Gen Con got its name from. And there's an ad in the back of this book for the convention in Lake Geneva. Now, something else I noticed that that's interesting about this, I feel like I'm on that Antiques Road show. <laughs> <laughs> like, I should be wearing gloves right now and wearing... I knew you guys and, would be and, fast and overdressed. Because so, yeah, <laughs> I'm even holding this up right. as a camera. What floors me about the sheet you're holding, which is the membership application, and this may just be a matter of how I grew up, I was shocked to see credit card information there. Yeah. Like, yeah. that you could put credit cards, because... I didn't realize people had them in 1980. Yeah, well, credit cards were around in the 30s. Sure. I knew they existed, yeah, but, but it was to be 
prolific enough that people actually had them. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. growing up, he, I never mind. saw a credit card until 95 or so. This, hmm. Dude, this goes way back. Debit cards did come along later, yeah. like check cards and such. But credit cards, like Chad said, they've actually been around for quite a while. And it may just be because we were ridiculously poor, but well, <laughs> yeah, I never saw a credit card the until the poverty 90s. will do that, too. I didn't know that these were common yeah. enough to be that they would actually have them on an application. Right. The way they used to be done is since you didn't have the magnetic stripe or they didn't have the oh, yeah, I've, form. I've used one of the swipe things. Yeah, they... they Because yeah. I work a, retail. Crunch, crunch. Yeah, you yeah. put a piece a of... Knuckle buster. Yep. You'd put a piece of carbon paper mm-hmm. over the credit card and you would then run a weight across it that would make an imprint of the card, and that's how you would keep the record so, of it. It just floors me, because I didn't know that they were the credit cards were common enough to have on an application in the 80s. I thought they were still rare. I'm guessing people really it's had credit scores so, back then, too. So It's so wretched. It's so <laughs> awful in next room, fight, next room, fight, next room, fight, treasure, fight. <laughs> It's so go over the prices real quick well, on the back. I'm yeah. sorry, <laughs> Chad. Go ahead, so, and then I want to go over yeah. this application form because I think there's some fascinating truths about role playing history in this RPG application form. So, but Brodor, and this is another thing. I'm holding something else up here that the listeners can't see, so I'll kind of wrinkle it a little bit so you can listen to it. So the game has all the original contents in, including the form that Dan's about to talk about, including a catalog like a one-page catalog, the RPGA thing, all of it. It has a book of character sheets, blank character sheets, none of them touched, except for the photocopy that I'm holding yeah, of seriously. a completely oh filled yeah, really? out yes. character sheet. Well, let me explain what Chad's talking oh, about. No, this and this is the character analysis of what we're going to do. This young person's character sheet is filled out. We're going to read it right, and analyze it. We're going to critique it. it. Yes. But <laughs> what Chad's talking about is keep in mind, we're talking about the very early 80s here. Not a lot of people necessarily had access to a photocopier even. Forget right. scanners and all that stuff. And so the game came with a booklet <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. of character sheets you could fill out and then tear out and use. So it's just basically a bunch of pages of characters. There's something amazing on the character it sheet is, that Brodor It, it is found. untouched. There is not a single thing written in this. There is not a single page torn out. There is not a wrinkle to this. Nope. I mean, if I crinkle this, I won't. So Again, not. this is the another one I could yeah. hand this to you and say, hey, this is a new reprint. Just got and it. And I'd have believed it. Yeah. You could have told me that this was a brand new reprint, and I would have believed it. Yeah, once again, check the show notes, because I'm going to be linking mm-hmm. to a bunch of pictures of this stuff, because it's something. It's museum it's a, it stuff. It is a piece of our gaming history. So, like I was saying, though, they, they made Chainmail, and then they made these other rules. I think it was called Dungeons & Dragons. I read the timeline on Wikipedia we could link to that, but basically they had Dungeons and Dragons and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons was considered rules light, then Advanced was considered more advanced, more tactical, more crunch. While they were making Advanced Dungeon Dragon, like literally writing it and thinking of the rules, some guy named Holmes, I forget his first name, came along and he said, Hey, a new player can't really play DD. And they're like, What the hell are you even talking about? He's like, Because you have to buy D&D. Then you have to buy, in a different section of shop, and the shop might not even have it, this thing called Chainmail. And then, if your players want to do combat that's not in a cave that's outside, you have to buy, literally, no joke, you have to buy a completely unrelated, unaffiliated board game from Avalon Hill. And they integrated those rules into it without Avalon Hill's knowledge, permission, or caring. 
And the guy was like, you're crazy. And he's like, but I tell you what, why don't you give me some funding? I'll kind of review the rules a little bit. And then we'll put it all together in a box, you know, a, a box that they can buy because people know boxes, they know board games and stuff and everything's all together. And they're like, okay, do that. We could, we see potential in it. And he made the white box. Now the white box is like, you have to be Chris Hussey old to play white box, right? right? And, or you knew somebody who was it, older. It comes with the basic rules, some blank dice and a little bit of racist propaganda. Right. That, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's about where it's at. Right? That, that at that point in time made more sense. Yes. But apparently the rules were still not very clear. He just kind of like smushed them together or something. Again, I, I'm kind of half remembering from the Wikipedia article. They paid him and he went on with his life, whatever. Then this guy came along and I forget his name. He's actually the editor of this. And he's like, you know what? This white box was a great idea, but it's just not quite hitting the mark here, guys. Tom Moldvi. Tom Moldvi. Yep. This Moldvi guy was like, the rules in the white box are a real big mess. It is to get new players to play it but there you can't figure any of it out it's too it's not that it's complex it just doesn't make any sense he's like let me do my own box that is really aimed at new players and in fact you're making advanced dungeons and dragons i'll make dungeons and dragons and, and we'll market it as a you buy this levels one through three and then you step up to your advanced thing and he made the magenta box although it's sort of a pinky purple to me but that is the box that we have here. And it is, these rules are completely independent of all the other rules. It's a standalone game. You don't need any other game to play it. He and has a it forward come, in the beginning of the book. And he has a forward in the beginning of the book. Huh. And you know why this game is more advanced than many role-playing games that are made to this day? It has a table of contents. It has an index. And it has a motherfucking glossary. I love to give you something else here that's kind of fascinating about it. So... I, when you look at the back of the box, yeah. All right. So a lot of games throughout the '80s and I guess in the '90s, and there are probably still mm -hmm. some that do it today, because and it's a diminishing set of people. But sure. there were a lot of people that didn't have any idea what a role playing game was, and I think the increasing complexity of certain computer games mm -hmm. has helped people get the sense of what a role playing game can be like. But you still do see that kind of stuff in these books sometimes. Mm -hmm. But right here on the back of the box, keep in mind, I, I believe this product, if I'm reading all right, was is 81 or 82. It, it was like 1981. When it was, when it was released. Yep. And the back of the box, instead of like a description of the game, mm -hmm. has a sample role-playing scene. <laughs> it actually has like one of those scripts that you yeah. find like in the second edition player's handbook that gives you a script of what a role-playing game would be like to play. And I'll read it to you because it's mm -hmm. just outstanding. In your bedroom voice. Yes. Fire and smoke surround you as you swing your sword and land a mighty blow upon the dragon's head. Oh, I'm getting gooey. The great creature <laughs> crashes to the ground with a thud. The treasure lies only a short distance past the dragon's body. Your eyes gleam. Oh, Game Masters, don't ever do that. Do not, <laughs> Your do not, eyes gleam. Don't gleam my eyes. Yeah, I'll gleam my own don't eyes. Don't dictate player responses. This is this is terrible. Game. <laughs> Why didn't this guy gags? Why didn't he listen to the <laughs> Damn. Actually, truth, this was probably written by Dave Arneson and never credited. But anyway. <laughs> oh, I'll repeat. Damn. <laughs> Riches beyond your wildest dreams await you. You race forward to claim your prize, heart pounding in anticipation. It wasn't during the dragon fight. You're a psychopath. <laughs> From nowhere, a huge man dressed in black armor steps out in front of you, blocking your way. The treasure is no more than an arm's reach behind him. None shall pass, he warns. 
what do you want to do now? Ask the dungeon the, master. Where was this motherfucker during the dragon fight? Yeah. <laughs> where? I would totally be like, why did I not at least get a perception check? Yeah, right. See, I love well, that hold this on. I'm, not, there's I'm more. not done with the script. Oh, okay. Well, maybe there's more. What do you want to do now? Asked the dungeon master. This is what it is like to participate in Dungeons and Dragons, the game. Dungeons and Dragons fantasy adventure game is probably unlike any other game you've played before. In D&D Adventures, players, I, I think... D&D Adventures. No, it's called D&D Adventures. Oh, they should have capitalized it. It's, it's not capitalized. In, at least the editing hasn't changed the full in these name, game books over the years. The full name of it is Dungeons and Dragons Fantasy Adventure. Okay, that's not capitalized. That's fine. I we still get turn to page XX to this day. Yes. So why not? And people now have MS Word and you know Control F for XX. So I don't know why this happens. But anyway, uh, in D and D Adventures, players take the roles of elves, dwarves, halflings, or humans. They will wander through dark dungeons, meet strange wizards, and battle ferocious dragons. Playing a D&D game is like... I play that game. Yeah, and you know, actually, I agree <laughs> yeah, with the me next statement here. Playing a D&D game is like writing a novel with each player contributing a part. Yeah. You know, honestly, that right there... Who knew? Old people were smart. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, this Jari guy knew something about what a role-playing game should be. Dungeons & Dragons Fantasy Game is the original role-playing game, and it is now easier than ever to play. The rules are easy to read and understand, especially organized for new players. Mm-hmm. Anyone can join in a D&D adventure. And then it goes on to list what's in here. D&D basic set has everything you need to begin playing D&D. And this box are rule book, dice, and a special instructional module. In short, everything needed to start playing quickly, including descriptions of over 100 monsters. So, Dan, I'm not going to read this whole forward because it's really long. But it does hit on a lot of those the stories of gaming as well and some of the things that went into the building the game but i'm really impressed by this tom moldvie's Mm -hmm. take on this one paragraph the DD game has neither losers nor winners it has only gamers who relish exercising their imagination the players and the dm share in creating adventures in fantastic lands where heroes abound and magic really works in a sense DD game has no rules only rule suggestions Mm -hmm. no rule is inviolate particularly if a new or altered rule will encourage creativity and imagination. The important thing is to enjoy the adventure. In 35 years, what the f*** happens? <laughs> I'm so, going to get weepy. That was, so, that was so, so good. Here's the thing. That's something we could have said, only not so eloquently. Yeah. <laughs> That's something we, we would have just totally blundered through that point on a five-episode rant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, uh, seriously, he's right. He gets it. If you want to know what gaming is about, that's it. Okay, so not just to say that he, well, that was just a nice Ford. Let's get on to the killing because obviously that's what the back was talking about. And <laughs> that's the what the treasure. module's talking about. But yeah, that's what the module's <laughs> well, talking about. And before about. and after that, he's talking about killing a dragon. Right. Well, so, and you know what? Okay, wait. maybe that's the problem is they had the right idea of what DMing advice. Okay. DMing advice back here. Okay. Skim through something. You just give us a few like bullet points. Well, Don't, it's here's a- the thing. One of the main points it makes is the DM is in charge. He is the final arbiter of the rule. Right. right. So if there's a disagreement, the DM makes the call and everybody should go with that. And it even says that if you're a player and you just cannot abide by what the DM is saying, you should probably just leave and find a different game. On the other hand, it constantly talks about how it's not about the rules. It's about having fun. The, it talks about the module. It talks about how the module, you know, it's, it's like room to room, killing, killing, killing. It really goes in detail about how this is just an idea. This is just to get your imagination going. 
Don't sit here and read the box text. Make up your own stuff. Let this stuff guide you. If you don't like a rule, make your own rule. And I have to wonder, though, if that is part of where the disconnect between role-playing and kill-and-loot or clear-and-loot style gaming came from. Do you know what this entire page is here? The glossary terms is what it looks. Oh, inspirational story material. Lists of books. Suggested reading. Suggested authors of what you should be reading if you want to be able to get an idea of what great fantasy is. Give me three or four titles. Just pick a random. Uh, The Book of Three, The Black Cauldron, uh, Wizard of Oz, uh, Alice Adventure in Wonderland, uh, The Wizards of Earthsea, three Ursula K. Le Guin books, all of C.S. Lewis. Yeah, Uh, I expect a lot of Tolkien to be in there, too. Yep, a lot of young adult stuff. Adult fantasy, three hearts and three lions. Yeah, because you uh, know another fine myth. When I look at the module, when I look at Keep on the Borderlands, Brodor's not joking. I mean, the Elf King's daughter. It's Sorry. it's really not a lot of story. No, it's, it's blocks of room descriptions. Yeah, it's, it's, first half. it's room descriptions, maps, charts, treasure. It's clear and loot material. It's a World of Warcraft dungeon in book form. Yes. Here we go. Heinlein's Glory Road. Uh, Robert E. Howard's Conan, Red Nails, Pigeons from Hell. Fritz Lieber, my personal favorite fantasy author, and I don't like fantasy. This guy's awesome. Swords of Lankmore, Swords Against Wizardry, and Swords Against Death. Wonderful books. Chad, uh, I just realized lots. something. Oh, that's so good. That book you're holding in your hand mm-hmm. is older than John. Yes, it is. So Dracula. let's go over the RPGA form here, because I think there's some fascinating history in this. And then we're going to critique this poor guy's character. Okay, dibs. <laughs> well, I at least want to see it before we, yeah. we tear it apart. Oh, you, but, you need to read that, Dan. <laughs> I, can't, I can't contain all right, myself. All right. I'll let Wayne look at it. <laughs> all right. So a TSR RPGA application. This is to join the Role-Playing Game Association back in 1981. An international organization, for less than the cost of buying one new game, you can become a member of this exciting new club. As a new member, you will receive a member's introductory package containing your membership card, this plastic embossed card of the same size and quality as a standard credit card, identifies you as the holder of an RPGA membership, you know, in case the police ask. <laughs> your members... Are you a card-carrying role player? <laughs> Do you know why I pulled you over? Because <laughs> you were doing D20 in a D12 zone. <laughs> your members pin this attractive metal symbol, the RPGA membership, immediately shows others that you are mm-hmm. a player of the TSR role-playing games. Yeah, it, folks, if you go back to 1981... Unless you want an ass whooping, <laughs> do not wear that pen. I'm just putting that out there. Your membership certificate, the permanent document. Oh, permanent. So, by the way, if you joined yeah. us back then, you're, you're for life. You're, you're still a capo you're, today. Yep, you're made man. <laughs> this permanent document of your membership is suitable for framing a proud tradition to your home or office. Which might be among the few places you'd be safe doing that. You'd be Satanist in your office. And- I would totally, if I had one that was actually mine that I had ordered from when I was a kid in the 80s, if I found it, I would totally frame it and hang it up. Yeah, a new RPG member can purchase a one-year subscription to the Dragon Magazine at a great discount, only $20. $20 a- in 1981 money. Well, I mean, still, apparently it says here that the normal price would be 36 for the membership. But you do get an attractive metal pin. Members, check out this one. Members also have the opportunity to apply for a $1,000 scholarship. 
Hmm. College scholarship. Wow. Which keep in mind, this is also 1981 college prices right. when a thousand dollars. I don't know about a doctorate, but the point is that it would actually be a meaningful something, not like yeah, less than your lunch for the year. Mm-hmm. All right, but here's the part. Here's the part where I think it's really fascinating. So on the back, as Wayne said, they have stuff for writing in credit card information, all that kind of stuff. But they have here a survey of the games you play. Now, when you look at surveys like this today, they typically have to just pick 20, 30, 50 titles. There was a study that or a survey that Roll20 just released. And if I remember, I'll put that in the show notes that had a list of what people were playing. You know, They had to truncate it. You just can't keep going and going and going and going. So here's your list of games. And this is maybe not completely exhaustive, but this is not too far from exhaustive. D&D, AD&D, Boot Hill, Dawn Patrol, Gamma World, Gangbusters, Star Frontiers, and Chad, one you've made reference to in the past, Top Secret. That was, yep. was going to be yep. my, like, my guess. And Gamma World and Top Secret were both TSR, because on this one, what other TSR products do you own? Yeah. It's a whole list of D&D. And, and I know there were Gamma World a couple other Secret. games around at the time. Battletech was around. It may have been called Battle Droids still at the time, but it was I want to know about this one. Boot Hill, Wild West Adventure game. Yeah, man. I, you know what's funny? They had a, a D&D derivative product for every era, kind of like the D20 OGL that came... 20 some odd years later. Here's what I really like. Alignment has changed, right? From good evil, like two to like, I think nine to 12, I think different alignments. Yeah. Nine alignments. Mm -hmm. Alignment shows whether the monster is lawful, neutral, or chaotic. That's it. No good or evil. Unintelligent animals are usually neutral. That's it. It's either you're lawful or new. There's no good or evil. And I think it only applies to monsters. I don't think it actually applies to players. So the alignment was never for players. Okay. So once again, mm. check the show notes. Characters. We're going to put some pictures of Chad's find, which is a freaking awesome. <laughs> Chad, you did a really good job on this. This Thank advanced D and D character sheet does have a spot for alignment. Oh, does so it? maybe That's it came advanced. with advanced. Yeah. And yeah. also, yeah, we'll link to some other stuff. But you know, it is kind of neat to see, though, looking at this, that the role playing advice. Mm-hmm. is in many ways so solid. But where I really think they made the mistake is the way they demonstrate the game. Because many they, they, people... They many demonstrate people, the combat. Well, exactly. Yeah. Many people have said that role-playing is... I don't remember the precise term, but it's something like it's a tribal art form mm-hmm. where we pick it up by tradition. It's mm-hmm. passed on by you sit down with some people, you play a game... And that's how you learn what gaming is. And if you don't have anyone, then you're going to look at whatever source material you have in front of you and presuppose that's the way you game. And so in his introduction, you know, that guy wrote how role playing should be like this. And even on the back of the box, it says that you're writing a collaborative novel and every player is contributing. But then if you look at the adventure you would actually play through. It doesn't follow that. It's clear and loot, clear and loot, clear and loot. What I also love is the back of the box describing that adventure. That is a horrible GM. He's putting, 
you know, he's taking the things that the players have just won and putting it just out of their reach. And, oh, well, here's an NPC oh, out of nowhere that's Baron Von Fad has. a combat encounter where he's just holding somebody back in the vacuum of reserve that doesn't exist. And, oh, oh, you've look, defeated this monster. There's a yeah. new monster. This is oh. this GM is incredibly obstructionist to the players. <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, should not be dictating player actions without their consent. So... The back of the box GM is a prick. Never join his group. <laughs> so I have to make a correction here. Uh, you do have character alignment. Uh, you have to tell the GM it is lawful, chaotic, or neutral. And uh, basically, it is uh, the examples are what the character, why the character would fight to protect the group. So, like the the lawful character fights to protect the group whenever there's danger. He's a good guy. Right. The neutral character will fight to protect the group so long as it's reasonably safe to do so. So he's like, I'm there. He's the Fairweather fan. And the chaotic character might fight monsters or might run away. The character will not care what happens to the rest of the party. So he's a dick. But here's the interesting part of this. And something that does not come up in all the alignment wank debates I've ever heard. And I want to know why people don't debate this. Alignment languages. Each alignment has a secret language of passwords hand signals, and other body motions. Player characters and intelligent monsters will always know their alignment languages. When they, they will also recognize when another alignment language is being spoken, but will not understand it. They do kind of, they've kind of brought that back with Celestial, uh, Thieves' Cant, which is, I realize, right. more class-based. Infernal. Infernal. Druidic. Yeah, exactly. Right. Sylvan. They have sort of brought that kind of stuff back. But it's not directly linked and, to alignment. And you know the ar- argument about lawful stupid paladin? Note that playing in alignment does not mean a character must do stupid things. A character <laughs> should always act intelligently as the intelligence score shows, unless there's a reason to act otherwise, such as a magical curse. Does it actually say you shouldn't? I mean, literally the word stupid things? Or Note stupid that thing. the, playing alignment does not mean a character must do, quote, stupid things. A character should always act as intelligently as the intelligence. So if you're playing in a setting that doesn't have Kender, and therefore it's the paladins ruining your party, right there, straight from the original autographer. (laughs) I'm pleased that they use the word act stupid. Yeah. You know, you, you wouldn't yeah, have a role-playing it. game today to denigrate someone's behavior <laughs> right, so, or decision-making. So, Dan, before Speaking we crit- of words. Before we critique the character itself. <laughs> no! <laughs> I just want to comment on the character sheet. Because I'm looking at the sheet, and there's a couple interesting things I find out. So, I'm looking through the blank record sheet. There's okay. more interesting things on the one that you're holding. Oh, yes. In. There's some really good stuff on here. There are different sheets for fighter ranger paladin than there are for cleric and druid yeah they still do that today it's like some people have class specific character sheets which is really cool i I like that a lot with some of the online character sheets yeah but the classes are on the outside and you just kind of circle it yeah but these sheets are so cluttered and would be so this is so ugly oh yeah they were Uh, believe me the idea of taking away the complexity of games or at least doing it on a large scale you know printing whole games that were meant to be Incomplex well, and whatever. That's something that comes along it, about 15 years I'm, later. I'm going to have to spin Brodor up here again because I'm going to have to stop you from doing the character sheet part because I have found where the game completely fails and falls flat on its face. Go ahead. In the introduction, 
All right. So it's talking about this is a new players, right? Somebody who doesn't never understood and never saw the concept of a role playing game before. It's like and this is the whole point of this whole box set right here. And in the introduction of this, it's talking about how, you know, you have a group of friends and somebody has to be the dungeon master. Another player is called the mapper. All right, and that's fine. I think it's tedious, but whatever. You know, the, the game master describes the maps, but he never shows the maps. Yeah, I remember suppose. that. People then, used yeah, to have to try. Sit You're in a 10 by 10 room, so somebody draws the appropriate number of squares on yep. a piece of graph paper. Okay, so here's one that you don't hear very often. To avoid confusion, the player should select one player to speak for the entire group. Uh, this no. is This player is called the caller. Was this prison? When, <laughs> when unusual situations occur, each player may want to say what his her her character is doing. But you have wow. the caller. The caller should make sure he or she is accurately representing the player's wishes. The caller is the mediator between the players and the DM and should not judge what the players should do. I think the only way you oh. could sell me on that is if you said something like, if you get stuck in analysis paralysis and after 30 minutes of bickering, they can't make a decision, the game master should pick a caller and just yep. say, you, what is it the group is doing so we can move forward? But so one other thing jumps out at me of the character sheet. All right, Wayne, this is the last this one. This is the last one because I'm going to have you I'm going to have you read what's on that sheet. First. Yes. Then we're getting to the back of the Tesla. sheet on the bottom has I will. Your character has a will and testament. We're getting to that way. So your way. character's this like character has his will. What is this character's okay, will, so, Dan? Just to set up, this is the character There's sheet. There's one that- character sheet, yes. There was one photocopied <laughs> character sheet in here. Photocopies, mm-hmm. not taken out of the book. It's photocopied from it. It's okay, Broder. I can talk for you. But, but I, I've got so many things going through my mind, and it's always difficult to get a word in. What was this family like? Like, let's take a step back from the game. Let's talk about the garage sale itself. Like, were they obviously members of the tribe? Okay. So, or was this person kind of secretly uh, into gaming? Okay. So, or, if they knew anything about gaming, they would know this is probably worth some money, and it wouldn't no, have been it's not worth any money. It's worth like five dollars. I looked up on RPG Geek, and two of them had sold for like five ninety eight. Uh, okay. So it wasn't worth anything. The best two dollars I, I know, get. right? It's, it's yeah. amazing. If if this was worth like five hundred bucks. I wouldn't sell it. I don't flip stuff when I go to the garage. I, I collect vinyl records for myself. I don't flip right. them. So anyway, I go to this garage sale. Beautiful, beautiful spring day in St. Louis. Birds are chirping. Sky's blue. Partly cloudy. Nice out. It's about 70 degrees. Cruising around. Going from garage sale to garage sale. Ain't finding crap that I was interested in. And uh, there's it's a yard sale. So this is a subdivision. It's all one-story houses, but have... Big, huge trees, because I live in a pretty old neighborhood in St. Louis. And so I'm going through, and they have a long driveway, and they have tables set up on the driveway, and then there is a big tree in the middle of the yard. They have these sort of fold-out chairs, not lawn chairs, but like you take to sports games and stuff nowadays, and they fold up. Uh, A couple of women sitting on the chairs, and then little kids, and they actually have little kids, quote, running the business. You don't really see that at yard sales. The, I mean, kids are like taking the money and, you know, you write down what you sold and how much you sold it for and stuff. And the kids are like, you know, hey, would you like to buy something? Anything? You know, it's cute, whatever. But anyway, 
But, uh, you know, the, and the women are talking. The women look like they're about anywhere between 30 to 45. Right. Uh, I'm terrible at guessing ages. So I am too. About our ages, I guess. And uh, so I'm, I'm picking over the, the table. I, I kind of do a sweep, even if I don't see a box full of records, because I'm usually looking for, like, cookbooks or interesting cooking implements. That's because that's one of my other hobbies. I love old books. Yeah. When I make these things. So they have a stack of boxes and the boxes are board games. Now it's crap, right? It's like monopoly. Parcheesy, et cetera. Yeah, right, right, right. A puzzle, a hundred piece puzzle. And this box was in there and it was like the third one down. So I keep an eye out for board games because I have actually found very expensive board games that people are getting rid of like super cheap because they don't know what they are. And, uh, so I, I kind of casually lift it up and I see this oddly to my eyes pink what color is this this is pink to me i, I don't know i, I don't say, pink to me they say it's magenta i don't and work it's not at home sun Depot, faded yeah so so I, I have no idea to me that is entirely pink yep. i am also partially colorblind yes the, this is the magenta box anyway so i see this box i lift it up and i see the dragon and dungeons and dragons and i'm like holy crap this is really old i I bet this is like half eaten by rats and it's got, you know, cockroaches in it and it's missing everything and blah, blah, blah. And the fact that there aren't there aren't annotations and highlighting. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to guess this amazing. was not played very often. And the reason I'm guessing is one, the quality of the books. Mm-hmm. Well used role playing books get beat to crap. Yeah. That's just how it works. The RPGA membership not filled out, still in the box. Well, and Kesloff is relatively low level. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to yeah. all this but the other thing the I module noticed, I think was loose though well okay but the other thing that I noticed and this is where I feel like the antique roadshow guy yeah. if you look at the inside of the box you see these couple of pencil marks uh-huh. from where a pencil was in the box and it up against the side uh-huh. but you'll notice there's only a very small number of them yeah. which says okay. to me that at one point there's a pencil in here, but this box was not moved very much. They took much. it to their friend's house, or, or walked it around the house. Kaslov got one outing, and then that may or it may actually be even from the crayon. But the point being that there's so few marks, yeah. I don't think this game ever got played much. I think this Kesloff, which we really do need to stop putting this off. This is too good. <laughs> so, We're not leaving so, this as content. So real the, quick, just to finish up my all part, right, is none of the stuff that these people were selling was geek related. I mean, none, none of it. They didn't even have like old video games because you always see like Doom and stuff and, and the old CDs and shit. Was this version not a D20 or are they just missing the D20? It should be D20. It should yeah, be. It's, yeah. it's, so it's, it's an incomplete. Sure so, no wonder it's $2. It's incomplete. <laughs> because the D20 is missing. Yeah, because no D20. Wow. Yeah, because even, even the logo. You guys screwed. The, the uh-huh. RPGA logo is a D20. So, anyway. Yes. So anyway, uh, yeah, and the people who were sitting out amongst the yard with their kids and stuff, I lifted the box up. I, I go to buy it. I hand the kid $5. Uh, this is a like eight-year-old kid who makes change perfectly. Uh, I was actually sitting there you know, seeing if he would be able to do it because they don't teach kids that anymore. And the, the ladies are talking, and I hold the box up, and I'm like, do you guys have anything else like this? And they look at me, and they kind of smile like, huh, no, we don't have. We don't have anything like that. You know, it's like like this was something that was buried in their basement and they probably didn't even know they had. Or this was like one of their their husband played this in the eight because it can't be their kids. Their kids are too young. It it had to be like their husband or their brother or something. And they found a box of this. Oh, yes, that's when he was immature and did his thing. Okay, so now we're getting down to it. 
the one and only character in the box, which mm-hmm. says to me that this may have only been played by either one or two people. Either this guy made a character just for SNGs, or maybe it was a lone wolf group, like an older brother and younger brother. Oh, no, this character is too detailed to have just been made for SNGs. So, <laughs> all right, Brodor, do you... <laughs> like, I can't do it with a straight face. Okay. You don't need to. So, it's Kesloff the Paladin. His, his, Go ahead. His lose race it. is honky. <laughs> he's, he's a lawful good honky. <laughs> well, aren't we all? But he, he's, got, he's got the Peckerwood rogue. He's got, he's got the cracker wizard. <laughs> Did you read uh, oh, the will uh, of Testament? The Druid. So, Kesloff <laughs> the Honky. I, I have to say, White Bread the Dwarf. La- ladies and gentlemen, with all of your liberal progressive thought, welcome to Missouri. Okay? You, know, you, you need to set your expectations here. All right. Honky. <laughs> He he drew his character too. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he drew did. his character it's far a, better than a, I could draw. Got a beefy Absolutely. right arm, man. <laughs> Go away, Nathan. <laughs> he does. He looks like either Quagmire after he found out there's porn on the internet, or that character from Lady in the Water. <laughs> but all right, so we have Kesloff the Paladin here. The player name is Yo Y O, <laughs> which may contradict the Honky Race. I. I I don't know. Uh, character creation is just as November 2nd. It doesn't give a year. I wish it did. Yeah, me uh, too. Stats. Yeah. Dex was his dump stat strength, 814. Intelligence, 14. I couldn't figure out, was he playing a paladin? Yeah. His, yeah. Well, circle. Paladin circle. Oh, circle. Does, oh, okay. Wisdom is 16. Dex is 8. Con is 14. Charisma is 17. His AC is 5. But keep in mind, <laughs> this is the old AC. With this glorious glorious golden mullet. Ahoy, town! I'm Honky, the Paladin. I'm here to save you. Keslov, the Honky Paladin. Keslov, the Honky. Oh, it doesn't even say. His actual age is 22, apparent age, which is a separate blank. Yes. 18, Mm -hmm. hair blonde, eyes blue. Yeah, right. Well, like, I love the apparent age because when you're dealing with something like, say, an elf, mm-hmm. that could be really interesting. All right. right. So at the bottom, That's because oh, this is my favorite part D&D outside of Honky, was a brutal game where you rolled up a character, you played, and when the character died, the character died, and then according to Jack Shake, you went and hung yourself. But mm-hmm. as a result, there's a will and testament at the bottom that you're supposed to fill out for what happens when your character dies. It says I Kesloff. To hereby give all possessions to Lucille Ball. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love the fact that A, he gives to Lucille Ball, obviously, but the fact that there's like a will built into the character. That's sheet. fantastic. That's yeah. assumed you're going the, to die. The, yeah. the apparent age stat, that discussion, I yeah. think I think there's gold there to be discussed. But the idea of yeah. Okay, so I so I okay. did lose my character. Brodart, surely I'm not gonna be the only one to see this. <laughs> He gives it to Lucille Ball. Go ahead and interpret the glyphs in the lower right. <laughs> if you're familiar with Georgia O'Keeffe, <laughs> I didn't get it. I still don't get it. Uh, those are uh, those are vulva, <laughs> and that's ah. a. Uh, so yeah, he used art. Right, so this I was knew photocopy. You guys would love this. this was photocopy <laughs> out of a book that had three holes punched in it, right. so you could put it like in a three-ring binder or a trapper keeper or whatever in the eighties. And uh, he used one of those holes to 
<laughs> draw a vagina. So that <laughs> like a, you do, like you do. <laughs> it's so good too because you've got those big fat lips. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so this is why you know somewhere I might. And have... that was misogynistic, not racist. <laughs> yes, it's totally different. It's totally different. <laughs> no, this is like going through a museum. Yeah, I, look, I can't help what Jefferson Davis wrote. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you put it in a museum and you exactly. learn from it. You go to the Holocaust Museum, you're going to see Nazi stuff. Right. right. That's just part. This is kind of the you same know, way. And, and I have to say that, you know, I feel a little bit guilty. <laughs> Not enough to stop. <laughs> a little bit guilty. Because if you went back to my childhood oh, sure. and looked at the crazy shit that my buddies and I did with D&D because yeah. we were like oh look at this Kesloff he's got an AC of 5 and 10 hit points and how great is he he's race honky right? <laughs> but then my buddies and I we were like oh does this this power level only goes to 11 oh we need to turn that up yeah. right is, is Monty here Monty Hall I choose all three doors Monty and if you don't give them to me I'll kill you and take it <laughs> and you know what Monty you're worth 3 XP your ass yeah. is dead yeah, he drew pictures. Not a very good picture, but he drew oh, a picture. You know, I, I agree. It's with better than I could do. Yeah, it's better than I could do. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So he, he obviously gave some <laughs> modicum of thought to his character. Yeah, I mean, looking at the handwriting, of course, also looking at it's the okay. nature of what's written. Yeah. I have died to know about is, this person. Why Lucille Ball? Right. My of guess all is the people probably because she had talk. red hair, and redheads are superior to the rest of us. Period. Well, that's a given. <laughs> As the only redhead in the room, thank you for acknowledging my superiority. Look at, look at his money. It's mostly redhead Kaslov, women, but... You, you know, could say a lot about Kaslov. 160 plat. Which this is really... dude is rich. Oh my gosh, yeah. 18 silver, 6 gold, 160 platinum. But he also has 10 gems worth 50 gold apiece, and 7 more gems worth 100 gold apiece. And he's only at 2,700 XP, which... I'm trying to remember yeah. what the first. I mean, that's, well, like a sword is two gold in he, this. He's only got ten hit points with a con of fourteen. So I'm gonna. Well, I don't think they. Gave, yeah, it didn't work that way back then, if I'm not mistaken. No, there was a hit point adjustment for con, right? But it was different than. Yeah, how it was different. Today, so I mean, right. I'm gonna guess he's got to be first, second level. I mean, if twenty seven hundred is enough to level him up to three, which I don't think it was, he didn't do it. Yeah. So the example character that they give in the book. Has two gold pieces. Is it also honky or? Uh, no, it is a Morgan Iron Wolf lawful first level fighter of no determinate race. Uh oh. <laughs> Probably a tumbler for that. <laughs> for the third time. Damn. So is it wrong that when I saw the apparent age, my first thought was like modern day conventions? Where the actual age of the girl is like fifteen. Yeah. The apparent age is nineteen or if you, twenty. If you don't wanna, it's wrong. If you don't want to go into jail, don't go into an anime convention. Which is why I didn't go this year. So Chad, this has been fascinating. <laughs> I we're going to put a bunch of pictures in the show notes with this. But I mean it's not too bad, but fair warning, there is a little bit of obscene sketchery <laughs> and if reading the word honky really offends you <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> so dan i, I want to point one more thing out too because this oh, is an idea i just had so this what i'm holding up that the audience cannot obviously see uh not only do they have keep in the borderlands on here yeah they also have a sample module 
in the rule set. So you actually get two modules when you do this. In this module, because this is an introductory thing, it's telling you how to do it, they have a page and, I guess, a quarter into the next page of two-column dialogue written like a script. Character, Morgan says this, DM says this, Frederick says this. Yeah, that's the sort of script I was talking about. Okay, yeah. here's my proposal. We either put this up on the Patreon, or we do a charity thing, or we do something. Dramatic reading. How many characters? People does it involve? I think three or four. I, so you have Morgan, we the DM. raise X amount of money. We do a dramatic. Well, do reading. we make it a thing, right? Because this isn't the only role playing game that does so, it. Right? I know, like we get right? Yeah, We need five people. I see the DM, Morgan, Rebecca, Rebecca. We need Dougal <laughs> and Frederick. So there are apparently five people. You have the DM. We'll have to think about this a little bit. Well, I just Frederick, don't want to throw this out Morgan, here. But... I don't know what a Dougal is. No, yeah. because that's an afternoon of, you know, we've all read the script. Right. We are, we are prepared. We get yep. record. And then we just. Oh, my gosh. Alcohol needs to be involved. Oh, yes, sir. I wonder if this is where Jack Chick got it from. Yeah, I know. I saw that in the there, The character too. name is, is Silverleaf. Silverleaf. In, in one of the dialogues, it's right next to, like, Silverleaf and like Black Iron, so you can like really transpose the names. Yeah, I wonder if that's where he got it from Blackleaf, Blackleaf yeah. because this character is Silverleaf. So anyway, yeah, that's my proposal: is that we should do some sort of hostage thing where we do a charity and we record a dramatic reading of that and others. Yeah, well, is, is there any of that in uh, Keep on the Borderlands? Um, I don't know, but you know what? We're gonna look around because mm-hmm. I know there are. Yeah, scripts like this and other old role playing books, and we have no shortage of old role playing right. books. So maybe that's something we'll and you do. Know, I, I have to think about this. I don't know if yeah. we're going to do it charity. If we'll do it for the Patreon. What we'll do it for? But we will definitely do it with something. Mm-hmm. But anyway, once again, check the show notes for some pictures. Okay, oh, go no, ahead. I was gonna say, before we go, I was at Geekway over to the West this last weekend. Yeah, ran into a couple of listeners, so I just want to say, Joe, it was great to see you. DJ Zach, it was great to see you. And Zach, thank you again for the uh, fiasco stuff that you gave me. Very cool. Okay, so once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at pulpgamer.com.